0: Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show.
1: Hey, I'm Jimmy. I'm Elena.
2: And I'm Gabe. Uh, it's been a very long while. Uh, I haven't been on for
0: like a really long time. I feel like
1: (laughs) yes, you.
2: Um, I I took a vacation last week. Um, The week before that, we recorded our previous discussion on uh, religion and the pro-choice movement, Um, and then all hell broke loose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You go on vacation and the world falls apart, Gabe.
2: You know, it's the weirdest thing to have like national things happen when you're on the road in other parts of the country. And we were traveling through the south mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, crap, everything's mm-hmm. happening down here. Yeah.
0: Uh, we, we drove to North Carolina like the day after September 11th oh, and wow. drove through Norfolk, Virginia, which is really interesting because it's mm-hmm. like the largest naval base in right. the eastern seaboard. But yeah, I remember feeling kind of the same mm-hmm. way that it like you feel very disconnected when you're driving across the country when like big, huge things are happening.
2: Yes. Yeah, we got down there and opened up uh Twitter primarily and found that in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh white supremacists, Ku Klux Klan, neo-Nazis, uh people who worship green frog memes, I don't quite get that one. Um <laughs> hadn't heard that one. <laughs> the Pepe the Frog, I don't know. Uh white supremacists held rallies, consecutive rallies in Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um the second rally was met uh with opposition by people who don't like white supremacists um should be everyone but right um but but who who you know actually take a stand against them mm-hmm. uh and in the process of protesting against them or as they were protesting against the white supremacists a guy from our state from toledo drove a car into the crowd killing uh heather hare um, who had just uh, posted on her Facebook page that if you're not paying attention... Uh, if you're not enraged or something. If you're not enraged, you're, you must mm-hmm. not be paying attention, mm-hmm. which is a quote, once we get it correctly, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think needs to be attributed to her now. Yes. So.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I end up writing a blog piece about that because, I mean, she gave her a life for this, for being an ally and standing up and recognizing that um all lives have value. And I mean, it was heartbreaking what happened in Charlottesville, but not surprising. I mean, this is a legacy we've been living with, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, this racism and colonialism, and it all just came to a head. And I think now people are paying attention, but we shouldn't have to come to that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I had seen something where they had planned another like eleven rallies or something like that, and they held one in Boston, and they were outnumbered like a hundred to one. It sounded like yeah. And then they canceled all the other ones, but that just, you know, in some ways that's great because they're not doing these public displays, but it doesn't mean that all those people went away. They're just underground, which actually on like a safety kind of front, makes you even a little more concerned about where they're going to pop up next.
2: Right.
0: But yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, looking at that, um, there, there was a quote which I, I wrote down so that we'd get this one correct. This is from Susan Bro, who's Heather Hayer's mom. She says, I'd rather have my child, but by golly, if I got to give her up, we're going to make it count. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I sort of saw from, from my, <laughs> from my vacation spot, uh, I sort of saw four main themes or ideas that came out throughout that week. Um, you know, there was the actual in the street violence that cost somebody their life. Mm-hmm. There was the discussion over statues that was going on because that, that was the, the origin of the first thing was, you know, uh, these white supremacists wanted to make sure that a statue of Thomas Jefferson wasn't removed. Um, and then, after all of this happened, there were all of these responses in the media or from elected officials. And the one that was in the media that got the most attention was this goofball thing that Tina Fey did coming out on the the Saturday night live, you know, weekday show that they got now talking about how everyone should just eat lots of cake mm-hmm.
0: and scream into the sheet cake
2: and scream into the sheet cake. Um, but then, you know, more serious responses came from, uh, you know, politicians like, uh, Sherrod Brown and Rob Portman and John Kasich, um, basically everybody except for Donald Trump, who couldn't somehow get it through it he- his head that an actual condemnation of these actions would be warranted, mm-hmm. um,
0: until they like slapped him and made him stand in front of a teleprompter and read words that he just like completely undid the very next day. So mm-hmm. right, and then he did it again in Phoenix. I don't know if you guys caught this, but when he started yeah. talking about the violence in the streets perpetrated by these thugs, which is like one of the most racially coded terms yeah. on the planet. So he was trying to act like he was talking about how white supremacists and neo-Nazis and and everyone are bad, but then he calls them thugs, right? which to that entire crowd meant black men in the street. So he he really just cannot get away from this crazy place that he inhabits in his brain right? that just, uh, yeah, I just don't know. It's completely foreign to my brain, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it's hard to understand why he just can't understand why it's important to condemn very closely, especially when he makes such a big, huge deal about calling Islamic terrorism radical Islamic terrorists rather than Terrorists. I mean, he made that big, huge deal about that with Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail. Like, she won't call them radical Islamic terrorists.
2: Right. Obama was accused of the same
0: yeah. thing over
1: and over again. Uh
0: huh. But he won't condemn by name white supremacists, neo Nazis, and the KKK. Right. <laughs>
1: and they're emboldened by him. Yes. I mean, they know their own kind. Yeah.
0: I mean, David Duke was like, "I love this statement." Mm. Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I I thought it was kind of interesting to look at all of our friends, uh, you know, people on the left um, of, of, you know, at varying degrees and exactly how they reacted to all of this. Um, I, I bring up the Tina Fey thing because that was like actually the one argument that I got in with people was how much importance, you know, reacting to these sort of things are, you know, the the comedy satirization Uh, of these things, um, you know, that sort of look at it, I find to be completely unimportant. Some people thought it was great. Some people thought it was terrible. I'm like, nobody's being saved or killed by Tina Fey and her cake. You know, people actually are dying in the streets. Um, How important a statue is, You know, and there's statues coming down all across. Just today in Ohio, uh, in Crawford County, uh, a statue got beheaded, Colonel Crawford, uh, Mm -hmm. who apparently was uh, responsible for the uh, massacre of Native Americans. Mm -hmm. He was, you know, one of the founding uh, fathers of the state of Ohio. Um, In in my neighborhood over on the west side, we've got a, a civil war camp that started as a union training camp and then became a... Confederate prisoner of war camp, uh, and so there's a bunch of graves there of Confederate soldiers who died in Ohio. Uh, somebody took the head off the statue, um, you know there. And I kind of feel a little bit the same way about the statues as I do about Tina Fey or Sheet Cake. I'm like, the statues, it's it's you know I understand the importance of taking you know taking some of these down. Uh, I wouldn't want a statue of Robert E. Lee outside my kid's school or you know in my neighborhood. But then I look at you know Paul Ryan and his tax plan, uh, and I kind of feel like all of this discussion has taken away from looking at what he wants to do with people's health care and what he wants to do with the nation's tax reform, and what the bigger implications are uh, in terms of what sort of government services can be available to people uh, if there's you know uh, adequate tax funding or not and I think Paul Ryan has the potential to actually kill more people in this country through his policies than... I go back and
0: forth on that one. I mean, yes, Paul Ryan's a disaster, and the tax policies I think are, he's are dangerous. Com- though. Yes, and we're but, not
2: talking about it because we're talking about sheet cake and statues.
0: But the statues and the systematic racism that exists across the board in our in our country also kill a crap ton of people, and those right. statues symbolize that. And without yes. taking them down and without fixing the structures that allowed for these statues to go up because I was actually just looking at something the other day about when these statues all went up. Right. Cause somebody was making a comment that that one that came down wherever it was in North Carolina where like the thousands and thousands of people like came to the police station to admit that they were the ones to take it down. That
2: was awesome. That was
0: awesome. (laughs) But uh, you can see that just crumple. Like, if it was, like, solid brass made right after the Civil War, it would not have crumpled like that. And their argument was that it was mass-produced because the vast majority of these went up, like, as Jim Crow was coming in to be at the turn of the century, well after the Civil War. And then there was another little resurgence in the Civil Rights era. So every time black people try to get power, we put up more Confederate statues to tell them that they didn't have power. Right. So,
1: Yeah. So, no, I mean, that's the reason why Trump doesn't get it. He is blind to his own power and privilege. And so when we're talking about black and brown bodies and, you know, the harm, that, those statues are violence. Mm-hmm. It is a means of terror mm. to remind them to put them in their place. Mm. And uh, so we have to pay attention to all of it, including you know, budget proposals that absolutely continue to harm people's lives. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. I I think the key there is, is the word and yes. in that mm-hmm. sentence. And, you know, we can't have uh, all these statues come down and mm. say, well, we got rid of the yeah. statues. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, not, yeah, that's definitely not going to happen. I worry that that's what's mm-hmm. going to happen because people are going to say, oh, we've made progress, we've done this, and now we're going to move on. Mm-hmm. And And all that will have happened is some statues got taken down, which does have value. Yeah
0: but it's not the solution no
2: but yeah you know my the the kids uh, in my uh you know neighborhood's elementary school you know their school lunch program that feeds kids doesn't hinge on whether or not there's a statue in our neighborhood mm-hmm. and you know the the teachers if there's a, a certain number of you know students per classroom that doesn't change if there's a statue in our neighborhood and these are the sort of things about actually putting, you know, meals in mouths and getting them access to doctors and, you know, neighborhood mm-hmm. clinics. This is the stuff that I think actually has the the potential to really, you know, improve lives, to save lives. And yeah. we, we lose it because we're like, oh. Yeah,
0: but I see it's similar actually to the in, um, infant mortality debate. Mm-hmm. Because you know, we want to do some stuff over here that might help a few, like the safe sleep practices and baby boxes and those kinds of things. But even with all those things in place, structural racism still means that black babies die. at I think it's at least double if not three times the rate that white babies die. And so while it's okay to do these things over here that I kind of see is Paul Ryan's budget the like safe sleep the putting money into infant mortality programs and you know moms to be and all those things are critical and important they're not going to fix the reason why a African American woman with a PhD has the same infant mortality actually a larger infant rate of infant mortality than a white woman without a high school education right like, if that was just a poverty, we can fix it with, like, equaling the playing field thing, that wouldn't happen. So I, I kind of see it the same way with the statues. it's the whole, like, yeah, we need to pay attention to these, but we also need to pay attention to this thing over here.
2: Right. Yeah, and, and you know, I I don't want to let John Kasich and Rob Portman off the hook just oh, because they no. made statements against Donald Trump. Um, and, uh, in and frankly,
0: the... that was what made me actually kind of sad and pissed off too was that there weren't statements against the thing that happened. Mm-hmm. It was statements against Donald Trump's reaction to it. And that actually yes. was on the Democratic side too. Yeah. There was a lot more talk about how bad Donald Trump was than how bad Charlottesville was. Mm-hmm. And that was really disappointing.
2: Right. Uh, There were comments in the state of Ohio from uh, one state legislator specifically that we've got pulled up here from Candace Keller. Uh, We've (laughs) talked about her before. Representative Keller's uh, day job is that she's the head of a crisis pregnancy center uh, that gets paid money uh, by the taxpayers to lie to women. Um, She put up something on Facebook uh, and said uh, that there's a statue of Bill Clinton in Arkansas. He glorified adultery and perjury. Um, she goes on, yada, yada, yada. Martin Luther King was against gay marriage. Will those statues remain standing? The Democratic Party invented white nationalism. Uh, I was expecting those with a discerning spirit to understand what is happening here. um you maybe know, she should try right, uh you know representative keller uh we've seen her uh name in the headlines before when she appeared on a podcast run by a white supremacist group mm-hmm. and and made uh some racist uh, uh, statements about uh president obama on her facebook page um you know the, <laughs> this uh these sort of shameful statements aren't limited to nationally known uh, mm-hmm. political figures so yeah Um, The other thing mentioning Obama is, you know, somebody put up the picture of uh, him crossing the uh, Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, which I remember when that happened a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, this, you know, this is a nice little event. It's a terrific little photo op and they're crossing the bridge and it doesn't really mean much. But then you see the pictures Mm -hmm. of Obama and that entire community then side by side with these people, you know, Nazis with tiki torches. (laughs) And suddenly it's like, oh, wow, that really, you know, there is serious significance behind, Mm -hmm. you know, behind actions like that, that at the time kind of felt like, you know, feel good moments. Mm -hmm. Not that it, you know, not that it was important, but now it's, it sort of has this gravitas, I think, Mm -hmm. um, behind it. Um, So. Nothing says
0: white nationalism, but like using a fake cultural appropriation of Polynesian culture. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know Right
2: Uh, The reactions keep coming Um, Cleveland Browns uh, Several of their players took a knee Including uh, one player who's the first White uh, NFL player To take a knee during uh, the National Anthem Um, So you know take pride in having uh, the Browns Be from Ohio and having them have a good Show of uh, uh, Solidarity there Might
0: be the only good thing about the
2: Browns (laughs) (laughs) We'll take it. Uh, and they are like
0: technically like two and zero oh right now, but it's all pre- preseason. But you know. yes,
2: the preseason stuff. <laughs> um, uh, and also in the NFL, Colin Kaepernick uh, is still, you know, not signed by a team. Uh, Richard Sherman, uh, the Seattle Seahawks player. Um, who is terrific to listen to when he has comments, he said, you know, hey, eventually the fans are going to demand answers when players worse off than Colin Kaepernick are starting and he's sitting on the, you know, not even on the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not in the games. Um, but, uh, you know, I I think as more and more players continue to show solidarity with, uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement on the field, uh, there's going to be more and more questions as to why he's, He's not in the game. Mm-hmm. Um so
0: we'll see, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's just again, it's another one of those moments of solidarity, but also how much attention is being played to like the first white guy who did it. Um and and those kinds of things also right. which is an, an interesting thing to watch as well.
2: Right. Yeah. Uh, and then Trump, wrapping up the week uh, uh, or maybe into this week, gave a just terrible speech in Arizona, uh-huh. um, which uh, was followed by uh, the police using tear gas canisters in the street. So immediately, uh, you know, the display of excessive police violence there. Um, and during this uh, speech, he strongly hinted that he might be providing a pardon for the Sheriff Gerald. Joe Arpaio, uh, from Arizona, who's been really the figurehead of uh, you know racist policies in the state of Arizona, um, anti-immigrant, uh, just anti-Brown people policies. Um, so you know, I I think this will be another flashpoint coming if and when uh, Trump decides to pardon this guy. Mm-hmm. So
0: yeah, his speech was over the top, ridiculous on about five million levels. Hmm. But yeah, like, you know, the governor of the state and the mayor of the city had asked him not to announce that pardon there. So he like did everything. He was like a kid. He's totally <laughs> a toddler. And he, you know, he'd draw the line down the middle of your kid's bedrooms and say, you can't, you know, go over onto Jimmy's side. And the other kid gets his toes right up to the line. I'm not crossing the line. I mean, that's exactly what he did. It's like, oh, I didn't announce the pardon, but I was like, I want to pardon him. You know? Right. Or you know they asked us asked me not to you know chastise this state's senators by name, but I'm going to talk about that guy who was a POW and that other guy that nobody even knows is you know like wow. uh, yeah
2: yeah, and then the rest of the time just attacks the press,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is becoming really scary. You know, yeah, I, um, George Stephanopoulos was talking about it, and he says that he really fears for many of his colleagues who. As, you know, they're at these rallies and Trump points the finger back at the the press podium in the back of the room, they feel, you know, thousands of heads turn their way and the mm-hmm. only thing dividing them is basically a rope, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a simple railing. And it it feels like it's just a matter of time before Trump actually tells people to physically attack the mm-hmm. press rather than just yell things at them.
0: Yeah. I don't think he's going to have to, like, physically tell them to. I think somebody is going to, like, I could just see kind of that crowd mentality that builds it, that some of those, mm-hmm. when you see, when they drag out the protesters a couple of times, like Black Lives Matter and stuff, have protested Trump events, and how, as the police or security are dragging that person out, how the people in that crowd treat them. Right. So, yeah, I could very easily see at one of those places, you know, somebody say get them, after Trump says one of their things about how all these guys over here are liars, and... Yeah. God knows what's going to happen.
1: I mean, it's his dog whistle. It's why the KKK, the Nazis are coming out in force now. Mm -hmm. So I see that happening with the press as well.
2: Right. Uh, Trump's White House uh, is preparing to um, actually put in place uh, some of these transgender bans. Uh, Speaking of the other ways that Donald Mm -hmm. Trump is full Mm -hmm. of hate, Mm -hmm. uh, a transgender ban on military personnel. Um, this, you know, was something that we saw him tweet before <laughs> the Department of Defense sort of said, listen, we, we don't take orders from tweets. If mm-hmm. you want something, you're going to have to actually talk to us directly through the proper channels. Uh, apparently that's happening now. Um, yeah.
0: And it sounds like it's going to be a, on new, um, enlisters. So it won't be, it won't actively, it'll leave the active killing, actively killing Getting rid of people out of the military to the military leaders. So it'll be interesting to see how it will affect those already enlisted in the military versus those who would join.
2: Right. Tammy Duckworth, uh, um, Senator Duckworth, she put out a a terrific statement that I thought sort of won the debate uh, for the time being. Um, she said, When I was bleeding to death in my my Hawk helicopter after I was shot down, I didn't care if the American troops risking their lives to save me were gay, straight, transgender, black, white, or brown. Mm-hmm. All that mattered was that they didn't leave me behind. If you're willing to risk your life for our country and you can do the job, you should be able to serve, no matter your gender identity or sexual orientation.
0: Yep, that says it all. Mm-hmm. Great. <laughs> it was.
2: Um, so that is the national news. Um, we, of course, are focused here on what's happening in the state of Ohio. Uh, this week, we had uh, the second hearing on uh, the Down syndrome abortion ban. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a bill that we heard uh, the first time in 2015. Um, so, uh, you know, when when we heard the, the testimony the first time through, uh, the Toledo Blade uh, cited against it uh, in an editorial uh, as did the New York Times in an editorial. Um, representative uh, Stephanie House and Representative Janine Boyd wrote a joint op ed against this proposal. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll provide links for all three of those uh, in the show notes uh, for people to read those. Uh, just a horrific, immoral uh, proposal um, to tell women that they're not allowed to have an abortion if they receive a positive prenatal test for Down syndrome. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, it also just highlights how kind of ridiculous the other side is on this issue because they don't believe abortion is right in any case. Mm-hmm. So to single this one very specific thing out and say, really, women in this case can't get it and start blaming, you know, calling people who believe that abortion should be the decision of the woman in the family, you know, eugenicists and, you know, people who just want to see all, you know, Everyone with a disability not exist in the world is, you know, completely disingenuous and completely incorrect. I mean, this is about making sure that families have the resources that they need, healthcare and otherwise, to make the best decision for their family and their situation. And we had families say that the last time around, too. We can put those in the show notes, too, all the blog posts and everything we had from last year about families who said... I have a kid with Down syndrome. I love my child to death. I would never like, trade, this, trade this experience for the world. But that was my family's decision, and everyone needs to have this decision you know, left up to them and not pushed on them by the government.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this was the second hearing. This yes. was a proponent testimony. Um, we will, uh, likely be seeing a, a third hearing scheduled for opponent testimony. That's our side. Uh, so we'll be able to provide witnesses to explain to the committee, uh, probably in the next month or so, mm-hmm. um, exactly why this bill is such a terrible idea. Uh, that happens as the legislature returns from their, uh, incredibly long summer break. Um, Not really long
0: enough because I came back last week, but yeah, whatever.
2: (laughs) Right. Uh, They're not all coming back uh, because we've just heard that Representative Margaret Condit uh, is stepping away from her position. Um, uh, She will be leaving office after uh, three, I think, three terms Mm -hmm. uh, in the House, uh, which has included her being a lead sponsor for uh, the most recent bill uh, that actually was enacted into law. Um, by John Kasich to defund Planned Parenthood.
0: Yes. And then she was also the sponsor of the one of this year's versions of the fetal tissue bills right. as well. So that kind of leaves that bill up in the air. I mean, it's co-sponsored by um, Representative Bill Patman from Cleveland, so it's not completely dead right. or anything, but she was the person who was mainly pushing it. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And then I assume we'll probably also see the method ban come back, the bill the Senate passed um, right before they left for the summer. So stay tuned. It'll be a fun fall.
2: Right. The method ban was the bill where we had all of our supporters come dressed as handmaids. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so, uh, you know, i not quite sure if the handmaids will be back, but our supporters absolutely yes. will uh, to, to make sure that members of the legislature, you know, hear exactly how terrible that was. Um, Elena, you are a handmaid. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> planning on, uh, returning for committee, I Making assume.
1: Second appearance, <laughs> uh, doubtful, yeah. but so doubtful yeah, as a handmaid, but as a handmaid, yes, yeah. but definitely as a, but you'll opponent, be in the room, right? Yes. yes.
2: Mm. Okay. Mm. Um, and, uh, then the last thing about state legislation, uh, or state politics that we wanted to discuss, um, was, uh, uh, the, the Supreme court case, Uh, State of Ohio Supreme Court is hearing the uh, appeal by Capital Care, uh, Toledo's last abortion Mm -hmm. clinic. Um, They will be um, making their argument uh, before the state's high court on September 12th uh, at 9 a.m. to explain why uh, the transfer agreement requirement that John Kasich has put into place that threatens to shut their doors uh, why this is um, an undue burden on women in the you know in the Toledo community? Um, why it's you know basically an, an unconstitutional proposal?
0: Well, that's one of the arguments. Actually, there's three arguments. That's actually the least argument that she's actually making because it's state court, so it's talking a lot about how it actually doesn't go along with the state law and state constitution. So her main arguments are actually that um, by delegating the state's authority to give licenses to hospitals. So a hospital basically now controls whether or not an abortion clinic gets a license or not, because uh, if they can't get that transfer agreement from the hospital or can't get a doctor to sign this variance form, it's the doctors in the hospitals deciding whether or not there's a license, not the state department of health. Wow. So that delegation is unconstitutional. And I'm now completely blanking on the other state Um, argument but um, so yeah so that is happening on the 12th Um, there's one way to fix this and it's not the state supreme court because they're not with us the state supreme court has a five seat majority with republicans and then there's only two dems and one of the two dems is a anti-choice dem so um, cute and actually, going back to our earlier conversations about the Browns, that one of the state supreme court, um, I think it's William O'Neill, um, this week had a tweet and a whole big like statement about um, how he was ashamed to be from the same state as the Browns, and he was not going to watch them anymore because that was a you know unpatriotic, oh, stupid <laughs> thing to do. And then he also. Talked about the military draft, and so I guess he doesn't yeah. understand that their draft went away at, at the end of the Vietnam War. Um So yeah, that's another one of your state supreme court right. justices.
2: I <laughs> hate these these arguments that they're they're being unpatriotic by basically just. Being still and silent during the National Anthem. I'm like, there's people out in the street with Confederate flags and Nazi flags. And if you want to talk about anti-American things, that's the actually Mm anti-American thing.
0: We kind of went to war with both of those groups. (laughs) And beat them. Yes. You know, details. Actually, protesting is kind of the most patriotic thing you can... I mean, that's kind of what our country was based on. Right.
2: But... Trump says he likes winners, but here his supporters are holding up these two losing flags. (laughs) Yes. Uh, There's a reason why people in Germany fly the Confederate flag,
0: because the Nazi flag's been outlawed. But um, back to the Supreme Court. Um, So the only way we can really save the clinic is to get them a transfer agreement. So work. our big, huge push right now is to call Randy Ustra. He's the CEO of ProMedica, which is the big, huge hospital chain up in Northwest Ohio, and tell them to grant a transfer agreement with Capital Care Toledo. So everybody get a pen or pencil out. <laughs> let give you a second here. And write down this phone number. It's five six seven five eight five. Three nine eight four, and we'll put it in the show notes too. Right. So call that number and tell um, the person who answers it that they're, it, you're calling to urgently request ProMedica sign a transfer agreement with Capital Care. We need safe and affordable abortion care in our community. Right. So again, five six seven five eight five three nine eight four Randy and- Ostra.
2: And we know what ProMedica's response is. They're saying that hey, we provide care anyways. Mm-hmm. We don't need this transfer agreement in order to provide care. La di da.
0: Well, they they sign them with us. Uh, um, you know, like gastric uh, places. They sign them with other ambulatory surgical facilities. It'd be right. fine if they didn't sign anything and say I don't need to sign this for anybody because we don't need this. But right. they sign it with literally every other ambulatory surgical facility in Northwest Ohio because they're really the only hospital that exists up there. So right.
2: the the clinic needs it. The patients who go yes. to this clinic need the transfer agreement.
0: Only because of license, not because of any other safety issue.
2: Right. Yes. Hmm. Be- because of Kasich's bureaucracy. So Prometica is trying to say that they're remaining neutral. They're not. There's no longer neutrality. John Kasich forced Prometica into this position when he signed this transfer agreement rule into law. So, if they want to say that they want to be neutral, then they need to talk to Kasich about ending this rule. Yeah. Um, you know, it, as soon as this bill uh, was signed, neutrality ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. They have to take a side. They should side with the women. The clinic will be able to continue to operate. They're not providing any financial assistance to the nope. clinic, they're not okay. providing any services to the clinic. They're signing a piece of paper, which, in my hand, or in my mind, lets them wipe their hands of it and mm-hmm. walk away and say, Hey, we signed it. It's now back between mm-hmm. the clinic, the state that regulates it and the women who are seeking care there.
0: Yep. Exactly. So, so call them, make them do it. Cause really it's the only way to save that clinic up there.
2: Right. Um, okay. So, uh, that, uh, is an event. So we'll call it at the beginning of our, let's get it on. Uh, <laughs> talk about Willie Parker. Oh, oh, Willie Parker, light it up. I
0: didn't go. I was going to give that to Elena because you were the one who went to his thing in the church Mm -hmm. the other night. Great
1: event. Oh, my goodness. Such a good soul. I mean, unheard of, right? Like, Mm -hmm. hundreds of people gathering in a church to talk about the dignity of women's choices. And here's Dr. Parker, a Southern Christian abortion provider that's just made that his life work, you know, to argue for the moral choice. And, And he does that. He lives it day in and day out. I mean, the man... He used to have a you know, like penthouse in Hawaii, and he gave it all up because he realized that um, as a Christian it was his no- moral duty to provide abortions to women who, who needed it you know, because of you know, complicated or unwanted unintended pregnancies. Um, and so he, his message, though, rings true. I mean, there were just hundreds of people there, and um, gosh, just I wish that were the norm and Mm -hmm. not the exception. And, I mean, that's why the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice exists, to make people know that there's an alternative message and voice out there that you can be pro-faith, pro-family, and pro-choice. And so we're proud to have him as a partner in this work and also, of course, as one of our national board members for the RCRC. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, just a good man all around. Yeah,
0: it looked like an amazing event from what I saw on Twitter. Mm -hmm. So
1: Yeah, I mean, where else are you going to hear someone say, you know, like... the The job of Dr. Farger as a Christian and all Christians is to show other non-Christians that Christians can be moral, you know, and to say things like abortion restrictions are nothing more than just an attempt to put women in their place. Like, he gets it. And um, to be able to speak that clearly about, you know, how important faith and personal decisions are, um, we, we need to honor that mm-hmm. and respect it. And he does that so well. And I think... That's also what, what we need mm-hmm. to push things um, forward and really argue for, you know, keeping abortions accessible and clinics open, like in Toledo.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think one of the pieces that fascinates me with his story is that he didn't always come from this point. Mm-hmm. You know, he yeah. he was very evangelically mm-hmm. raised, mm-hmm. and that, you know, not at the beginning of his religious path, but when he went away to college and medical mm-hmm. school kind of fell into kind of the re- the birthing of the religious right and the moral majority kind of movement in the 1980s, which really did birth the anti-choice movement we yeah. know today. And, and so he was very much immersed in that, that abortion was very immoral mm-hmm. and, you know, you couldn't provide abortions as a Christian and those kind of things. And to listen to him talk about the transition he mm-hmm. made from that to this God called me to be an abortion provider perspective he has today is was very interesting and and talks a lot about what how we can bring people in and and mm-hmm. you know meet people where they are and say so you don't have to kind of drop your Christianity to believe this is an okay choice for somebody to make and to you know advocate for that position, yes. Yeah. He's just a great speaker. He just has, yes. like, a, mm-hmm. an amazing tone of voice, mm-hmm. too, that mm-hmm. just, like, you could just sit there and listen to him all oh, day yeah. long. He's-
1: yeah. And he's just sincerely, genuinely welcoming. Mm-hmm. I mean, he welcomes dialogue. He wants, you know, anti-choice people to sit there and, ho- and hopefully come to a better place of openness and, mm-hmm. and understanding and compassion, because that's, that's what, what it's about. Because really, do you want to side with the antis and their picketing and just strident hatefulness? Yeah. Um, how is that representative of one's spirituality and religion?
0: Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's a bumper sticker once reminded me. God save me from your followers. Yes. <laughs> yes, <'Cause> yes. Sometimes <laughs> the stuff that comes out of some of these Christians is some of the most anti Christian stuff oh, yes. here.
1: So let's get back to the mm-hmm.
0: the good stuff. Mm-hmm. Let's love. Let's take care of each other. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's a lot harder. It takes mm-hmm. more moral courage than Way just more. Mm-hmm. be mean. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, while he was speaking, there was an an artist during his mm. event. Mm. Uh, we got to see the final product. Oh, yeah. You want to talk about how that kind of worked?
1: Oh gosh, um, gifted. Um, I don't know a technical term for vocation, but someone who, as someone is live preaching or speaking, will just kind of illustrate, mm-hmm. you know, main points and um, I mean just a powerful representation of dr parker's just moral voice um so we should put that in the show notes as yes. well because it speaks volumes in and of itself um to recognize that um all of us and none of us are are in need of reproductive health rights and choice mm-hmm. and yeah it's it's good stuff so mm-hmm. check it out yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
0: definitely put that image in the show notes mm-hmm. sure
2: uh okay So that was past events, (laughs) Uh future events. Future events. Let's get it on. We talked about the state State Supreme Court, Mm -hmm. uh, downtown Columbus, uh, September 12th, 9 a.m., hearing in the state Supreme Mm -hmm. Court building.
0: Actually, more importantly, though, that same day um, is primary election day in Toledo. We're not taking size on candidates on this one. <laughs> but because a lot of people are going to the polls that day to vote, and it's a good place to catch a lot of people, we will have some canvassers out at a couple of the polling locations, getting actually handing out the phone number or just actually handing people a prepaid cell phone mm with the number already dialed in, ready to call, um, to get a bunch more calls into Prometica. So if you're in the Toledo area and want to help out on that, you know, email the volunteer at ProChoiceOhio.org or get in touch with us via Facebook, and we can get you hooked up with that.
2: Speaking of canvassers, uh, if you check out our website, ProChoiceOhio.org, uh, again, link in the show notes, Um, We are going to be hiring uh, uh, some canvassers in the Shaker Heights neighborhood. Uh, Kelly Copeland just sent me the uh, application information to be added to the website today. Uh, So these are paid gigs throughout the month of September, door-to-door through the Patients to Advocates program. Uh, So if you're uh, in Cleveland, uh, the east side of Cleveland, and you'd like to Uh, Not just volunteer, but actually work uh, with us through the month of September. Uh, There'll be information about a paying gig there. So fun canvassing stuff. Um, And then down in Columbus on September 19th is the mini golf classic. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we've talked about that before. Form a team, raise some money. Uh, That should be a good event. Uh, And then the last event that we got uh, is going to be in Youngstown the following day, September 20th. Uh, Our microphone training, a messaging training for volunteers Mm -hmm. to learn how to to talk about all of these uh, attacks on abortion access, attacks on reproductive rights, um, to learn sort of where we are uh, in the state of Ohio in terms of, you know, clinic status and political status. Um, So a a nice training that'll be uh, the evening of September 20th -hmm. in Youngstown.
0: And to backtrack, because I totally forgot this until just now, <laughs> on August 30th, so uh, next yes. week, a week from, my, like, five what days from it? now, it's next Wednesday, um, the Toledo um, Pro- Clinic Protection Ordinance is having its public hearing in committee um, with Toledo City Council. So that is the 30th at 3 p.m. We will make a Facebook event for it. It'll be up on our Facebook page. Okay. You should come support the clinic. It'll be fabulous.
2: If you look for these in the show notes, there'll be an actual chronological order. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Okay.
0: We're a little all over the place today.
2: Yeah, well. Yeah, well, uh, a lot to talk about. Yes. Uh, we'll see everybody next week.
0: Bye.
1: Bye-bye.